0: That's good. There's Susan. Hey, Susan. <laughs> I need a better background. <laughs> Don't come out for the next 20 minutes.
1: <laughs> yeah. Mine is just a, it's a poster I got on uh, on uh, Amazon. This is not a green screen.
0: It's a real background.
1: Yeah, it's a real yeah, background. Yeah, smart. you can see, see that's where it ends. So I need to get what I need to do. That's a five by seven. What I need to do, I think, is get the ten, uh, the, the ten by seven or eight by seven or something. Give me a little bit more. But yeah, with red curly hair, a green screen. I and I have two different green screens. I just haven't mastered them yet. Wow. So. Yeah,
0: I need to get there next. All right, you ready to go? Yep. Hey everybody, John Millen here with Benefit Hackers. Glad you joined us. I have an amazing podcast today to share. Um, Someone that I think we all can relate to, whether you're in the manufacturing sector, whether you're in the hospitality industry, whether you just have one employee or a thousand employees, I think what Lisa Ryan is gonna bring will give a really good flavor for what we've just gone through with COVID and how we're coming out of that. So before I start, Lisa Ryan is the Chief Appreciation Strategist at Gratedgy. She is a certified speaking professional, award-winning speaker. She's she's actually written 10 books, which we were just chatting about, which I'm very impressed. And through her speaking, consulting, training, she's helped organizations kind of keep their top talent from becoming someone else's talent. Um, When she's not on virtual stages like this, you find her recording, producing her own podcast, which is amazing, gathering family members on Zoom, and she also has apparently two spoiled cats. Maybe we'll learn about those. Um, She's from Cleveland, there's one of them, from Cleveland, Ohio. And also a paint by number artist that that may be a separate podcast, Lisa. Um, please welcome Lisa Ryan. Thanks for thanks for coming on.
1: <laughs> Thank you. It's good to be here. And I just became a paint by number artist as of Christmas this year. So
0: wow! Now is this the paint by numbers like when I was twelve when years old? When you were a
1: kid. But I will tell you what I'm doing. Monet. I'm doing oh, all wow. of these really really cool paintings that make me look like I actually know what I'm doing. But all I'm doing is painting by numbers. There you go. Look at that.
0: We're going to start a whole trend. So um, so if you've listened to any of our podcasts on Benefit Hackers, you know that we talk about things related to companies, benefits certainly being one of them. But there's a lot of things that go in to company organization other than just the insurance plan it's the training and development attracting employees retention the fiscal part of it the cost savings all that stuff but people which should be your asset hopefully you view your people as your asset is is probably the most important thing because i tell people if you don't have good people it's going to be harder to survive. And so I think Lisa's going to give some really good context. And we were chatting before, and Lisa, I want to start off by um, first, you're, you spend a lot of your time in the manufacturing sector. Why manufacturing?
1: I actually, for the first seven years of my speaking career, I focused on HR because I speak about employee engagement and retention, and I thought that that would be a good audience. But I really wasn't getting the results that I wanted. So after really considering what niche I wanted to go into after spending the first part of my career in HR, the second part in manufacturing, and then the third part in healthcare, I realized that it was when I was in manufacturing that was by far my favorite jobs. I loved when I was in the welding industry, and yes, I do weld, I got to go and just see how everything's made and going into auto plants and steel mills. And I got to go into the salt mines. Um, I was a mile down below Lake Erie and four miles out, which I also learned that you don't do when you're touring it with the new guy, uh, cause we got lost. not a good place Uh, uh, underground scary yeah and especially when you have this little metal number that is your remains identification tag it's a little freaky going down there but I loved manufacturing and I knew that this was a message because when we're looking at over 2 million manufacturing jobs going unfilled that and we know it right now that we have so many people who are picking traditional college routes instead of going to trade schools, technical schools, joint vocational schools, whatever it is, that we need to change the conversation about manufacturing to encourage people to go into it. And I just knew that that was part of my mission. So about six years ago is when I changed the focus, and it's been 100% manufacturing that I've been focusing those Outbound efforts on.
0: Wow, that's interesting because just your background, what drew you? I'm always curious on why people do things, get into things, start in an area. Um, one of our key sectors, when you look back at our 20 years, has been a lot in the manufacturing, and I'm like, why is that? It's it's, it's an interesting niche, um, but. I think it's because of the people, right? It's because they're good people. They work hard, they're loyal. And you yeah. said 2 million jobs are unfilled. So one, So the first thing I wanna to talk to you about is culture. And I know this can get boring, like, oh, we're gonna talk about culture. Like, but I think you bring a little different twist on culture. Tell me, a company listening, whether it's manufacturing, nonprofit, healthcare, what is it about culture that you've learned from last year in your past, and moving forward that you think they can value or benefit from?
1: Well, number one, culture starts at the top of the organization. If it's the commitment by leadership, it's the opportunity to be transparent, to be vulnerable, and most importantly, to let their employees know that they are a valued part of something that's greater than them too many times, especially when you're in manufacturing, where it's more of a male dominated role, they look at things like expressing appreciation or thanking people for doing their job or just kind of those soft skills. And there is nothing soft about it. These are essential skills. And so when it comes to just changing the conversation, making eye contact, saying hello, knowing something about your employees personally, instead of just another cog in the wheel that gets the production line, that keeps the production line going, that's where it starts. And I know it, you know, I speak all over the country and all over the world about these issues. And when people come up to me after my program and they're like, oh, my company really needs you. I know that the chance of them actually investing to bring me in to work with their teams is slim and none. And you think, well, that doesn't make any sense, Lisa. Yeah, that's backwards. Why would they not? But it really is the companies that are already doing things well, that want to continue to do them Mm. better who are the ones that do make that investment. The companies that really need it, they don't see it, they don't get it. They don't see the value in investing in employees. They look at them as soft skills. Um, employees are just there to do the job and that's it. They have no connection with them. And with when employees have a choice between going with a company that, hey, I'm going to feel valued versus going to another company that may be paying a little bit more, but they're treated like crap, they're not going to stay, and you're going to be SOL when it comes to finding good employees.
0: So, what do you do if the leader just isn't quite there? Like, if it's not maybe their personality, they've never been trained, they've never been that way. How do you work with an organization that someone at the top they kind of want to do the right thing, they they buy into your what you're saying, but it's like, man, this is this is not my this is not me. How do you work with that? Do you work with their team? at that point well, I
1: work with their team but there th- unfortunately there comes to a point when it's it, when it's not going to change when there is not that willingness to change it's not a client that I will take on because i i know that it will be like i don't know um, talking to a brick wall when hmm. when it's the leaders that have to kind of look at themselves and realize that if everything else in the company, if it's everybody else that is the problem, uh, it's not, it's you. So being able to take a look in that mirror and really do an assessment, do a 360 uh, peer review, Mm -hmm. get feedback from your team members, get feedback from your other managers, from the people who are reporting to you. And instead of, and I've heard this happen, where people try to look at, you know, try to figure out who said what so they know who to retaliate against, the whole mindset is thank you for sharing knowing that there's going to be some disgruntled employees that are just going to say stuff that is mean. But chances are that there's a thread that goes through there that you as a leader have to be willing to look at yourself and, and try to fix that.
0: Do you because do a lot of, of, do you do a lot of, um, I'm not going to say counseling, but if you've ever watched shows like uh, The Prophet with Marcus right. Lemonis, he says a lot about the people and the relationships. Do you find yourself engaging sometimes with them individually to get them at the right place before you implement anything?
1: Yeah, because when I sit down with the clients that I'm consulting with, we, sit, we set those expectations as far as where they are now and where they see themselves but also doing that assessment of where they are as a leader and the commitment that they are willing to make. And if, again, they have those blinders on, they're not seeing that they're part of the program, that they're part of the problem, then it doesn't matter. They can have the greatest HR team in the world. They can have the greatest uh, support leadership team in the world. But if the, the person at the very top comes to a training program and they sit in the back of the room talking on the phone and checking their emails and texting the entire time, their employees see that, their leaders see that. And they're like, well, if it's not important to the president, why should it be important to me? It's one more thing that they're wasting money on, looking for the easy button that they can press and make this a great culture. But culture took a long time to happen and it's not changing overnight. And unless yep. you're willing to invest the time and the effort in it, it's it's not going to work. So sorry to burst that bubble that there's not this easy button. But you know, we I mean, got not face a training. The fact.
0: There's not a webinar we can all listen to and just yeah. It's a it 30
1: better. minute. Believe me, that's if I had that 30 minute webinar that could change the every. Oh, you and I wouldn't be talking because I'd right. be on my own island somewhere in the Caribbean right now.
0: <laughs> yeah, accountable leadership, right? You got to be accountable, and that's so true.
1: Exactly. Um, especially
0: last year. Did you, um, so I want to talk and and pivot a little bit to communication because culture is a lot about talking, listening, expressing, problem solving, and communication, you know, again, oh great, communication, communicate more. When, When you hear that word, how do you interpret that? Or how do you talk to companies about being better communicators to their, to their teams?
1: Most people believe that they communicate enough, and I can assure you, they don't. When it gets to the point of over-communicating, like I had a career in sales, and back in the, back in the day, they would say that it takes 21 contacts to make a sale, or I'm sorry, it takes seven contacts to make a sale. And you, you've probably heard those same statistics. Mm-hmm. Well, now it's elevated that that same seven has now gone to 21. Why? Because we're getting hundreds of emails a day. So I'm in every sincere email. We're getting tens of voicemails a day. I may hit delete because I don't know who you are when you're leaving that message. So it's in that and figuring out how people like communicate being communicated with particularly with a remote workforce. Do you bring everybody on camera when you're doing zoom meetings, or do you let them be off of camera. I always encourage being on camera. Number one, you can kind of see what's going on mm-hmm. and, and, and read that employee's faces versus the fact that, okay, well, maybe once in a while, you'll let them not be on camera because they're having a horrible hair day and their kids are screaming in the background, right. whatever. Right. But it's, it's over communicating in the fact of, of talking on the phone and doing Zoom meetings and using things like Slack and WhatsApp and these different apps that you can do and getting together in person, maintaining distance, wearing a mask and washing your hands, of course.
0: (laughs) Kind of put that in the disclaimer.
1: (laughs) Yeah, but figuring out how employees, how people like to be communicated with and making sure that you're doing that. Because you can say something exactly what you want, but for some reason, they're thinking about their kid who's either having a snow day or is having a hybrid day or doesn't know if they're going to school. So their mind is somewhere else. So you say it again, and maybe that's the first time they heard it, or they're hearing it for the second time. They're like, oh, this must be really important because he's telling me again, I should pay attention. So we're looking for that clarification and not only from a business standpoint, you know, what's going on with that, uh, getting that product out today, but how are you doing personally? Uh, You know, how's your mom doing in the assisted living facility? How's your kids handling this hybrid schooling? You know, what's going on with you? Because we have a deeper need for connection right now than we ever have before, because You know, the the thought of hugging strangers anymore is just becoming a foreign concept. So,
0: yes, you're right. And about um, Zoom calls, right, connecting, a lot of companies are remote. And so a lot of them can't get together in person. They're all working from their homes. Um, One of the things we did last year, we had already been in the habit of doing it, which helped is we were having daily training calls every morning, 8.30 to 8.45. We have a little curriculum we go through, we watch the videos, we discuss it. So we went remote last year, we were already doing that. So we just did them on zoom. And so it really helped because I remember the first call we had, the first call was like, okay, forget the training video you just watched about selling or whatever. How's everyone doing? Yep. And it's like, and they're like, this is rough. Yeah, my, you know, just, it was nothing business. It was like, uh, yeah, this is hard Yeah, and, and that's about communicating. So I think that's really, really great tips um, and, and insight about that. Um, and, you know, being a leader being the, the division president or the CEO or the team lead, um, you've, you've got to learn some of those skills sometimes. And it sounds like you can help people through that if they need some help, because not, it doesn't come naturally to everybody. No one ever goes to a course on leadership right? Or how to communicate with people. So, um, that's great. Talk to me about, especially in the manufacturing industry, but elsewhere, you have different classifications of income of workers. You have salary and hourly. Is there a difference in your mind? Do you, do you, do you treat them the same? Do you treat them different? Do you communicate differently? Um, because it's classified in benefits certainly, but in other things, talk to me about that role.
1: Well, unfortunately, what a lot of times that's led to is kind of an us versus them philosophy where you don't have people in the office who really know what the staff is, what the hourly production people are doing. The salespeople don't understand why the engineers can't magically give them exactly the specs that they want. So from a human level we want to make sure that we're acknowledging everybody. We find out what different people like. For example, one of the things I promote in my programs is the All About Me sheet. And this is just finding out what is your favorite candy bar? What's your favorite hobby? What do you like to do? What's your favorite gift card instead of going and buying, you know, a couple hundred dollars worth of $10 coffee gift cards. And you might be given those to people who would rather have a gas card or would rather have a grocery card. And it's just these little changes. But there's too many times that people don't have the opportunity to really understand what the rest of the the. People do. So if you're putting together an employee experience team, which again is a great way to find out what's really going on, but making sure that that is cross departmental, where you have people from engineering and people from the shop floor and people in management and people from HR, not necessarily. Upper management, because that kind of takes, unless these, uh, the, the leaders who are involved are really transparent and really vulnerable, you have to create a safe environment for these employees to get together, to brainstorm ideas, and then bring that to a leadership team that's going to listen and act on what they bring them. So it's not necessarily treating everybody exactly the same, but if you're giving Friday afternoons off to the office, why not look for a different way to reward your production employees and do something for them? Because there really is that whole mentality of us versus them. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And it's got to be broken down. Yes, you do different jobs. Yes, you get paid different, but- and some of the clients I have, like the person getting paid $15 an hour, maybe controlling a part of the process that if it breaks down, they know how to fix it. Like in a printing, pr- printing manufacturing facility, like they know how to fix the machine to get it back running. Without them, there's no machine. There's no, yep. there's no printing. Um, tell me, what are, what are, what's something that organizations can do on a little baby step? You know, certainly they can launch this big initiative. We're gonna have this big, which may be hard to do. What are the little things that people can just do naturally without telling anybody just like i'm just going to start doing this no program no work you know what are some of the some, some little tips people can do
1: what's well, funny because consistently with the, the leaders that i have been interviewing on my podcast The thing that they say almost without exception is that when they came into leadership or they came brand new into the company, they sat down with every single employee, they sat down with the employees, they were extremely vulnerable, and they said, if you can may if we could wave a magic wand and you were me tomorrow what would you change? What would you do? And listen to that feedback and look for the little things that you can start to change. Now, at the beginning, another one of my clients did this. They had four plants that he went to and sat down with every employee. Now, the first time he went around, there wasn't that level of trust there because it's like, oh, why he's here and what does he want to hear? So they kind of looked at what they thought they were supposed to say. But the second time, because after he had taken some action on what they said, they saw those changes, it became a little bit safer and it became a little bit safer. But it's having those conversations that sometimes leaders are afraid because they think, well, if I ask my employees what they want, they're going to say they want a $20 an hour raise and six months off. And what's going to happen instead is they're going to say, you know what? I've been coming in at six. I would rather come in at 630 because of getting my kid to school on time. Um, I would rather, I'd like to be able to listen to music while I'm on the line. I would be able to just these little things to make their job a little bit better. That's what they're looking for. They're not looking for the big stuff.
0: Yeah, that's a great point because sometimes in leadership roles, C-suite, they're looking for the big stuff. And a lot of times people just need a few of the little things um, to, make it, to make it better for them. Or it's something, they want something in the restroom. Like the restroom doesn't have this. Can we at least put that in there? Why do we run out of towels in there? Why do we, why do we know, don't have towels anymore? Just little yeah. little things. A lot of time,
1: and, t- and look at two. Look at your customer facing areas versus your employee facing areas. If you go out into your showroom or your waiting area and it's beautiful and it's bright and it's painted, and you go into the company workroom, the company lunchroom, and there's paint peeling off the walls and it's dirty and nobody's cleaned the microwave in six years, that's where you start. Yep. That's you pay attention and you make it pleasant for people to work there. Couple gallons of paint, little bit of elbow grease to clean up the place. Employees will feel that they're valued because you're paying enough a, a, attention to them instead of just assuming that they're always going to be there, that they're always going to do their job.
0: Yep. It's kind of, and you've heard this, um, Pay is important salary is important for everybody We yeah. all it's important but sometimes it's not the most important it's definitely up there but these other things like appreciation, listening, being flexible um, are all equally important benefits certainly training. Um, what's a good fit for you a, a client that someone's listening who like who is your ideal customer or your ideal client that you typically work with? what are some of the traits they exhibit that they could they would say oh, Maybe Lisa could help me.
1: Oh man, I'm generally in the small to medium sized manufacturing companies where I can have direct contact with the owner or with the top leadership, because my programs are really customized. I don't come in with a package of this is what you do and this is the you know the the um, stock your stock option. I like to work closely with the leadership teams and people who are equally open to pre- having the uh, the training the programs done for their leadership team as they are for their hourly employees because when i i love working with hourly employees and a lot of times It's a privilege because I may be the only quote unquote motivational speaker for lack of a better category to put me into that some of these people have ever heard. And so when I bring them concepts and share with them ideas that they never were exposed to, it can be mind blowing. And when leadership then sees this seed, sees this spark with somebody who's from the production floor that they never even noticed before, now we're starting to pay attention to who's going to be our, our future leaders, who's going to be in our succession planning. So it's not necessarily the type of company, but it's that whole mentality that we're looking at at a holistic view of the culture, including everybody, instead of putting another Band-Aid to fix our leadership team to make the whole thing better.
0: Or a slogan on the
1: wall. Exactly. Or hiring some high-priced consulting firm to come up with a vision and mission statement that then goes into the file drawer and is never looked at again. That's right. That's right.
0: No, that's great. And uh, you just said something that made me think about working with hourly employees. It's kind of like um, if you've seen the, the show The Prophet, Marcus Limonis, where he mm-hmm. goes into companies, he meets the owner. and He's like, what's back there? Oh, let me go talk to them. And he kicks the owner out. He's like, let me talk to the people back here who are doing yeah. all the work. And he gets it, he gets it straight. Mm-hmm. or undercover boss right yep that whole thing and I can't believe that's still going on people are like this is undercover boss don't they know that by now I know.
1: <laughs> it's undercover
0: <laughs> like they get, or they like we're on TV I'm gonna get a new house I'm yeah. gonna get a new house baby <laughs> so Lisa tell me about your um, so I'm wrapping up here tell me about your your podcast how do the people find it and listen to it
1: Sure. My podcast is the Manufacturer's Network Podcast, and it is literally wherever you get your podcast, including the personal assistant that l- rhymes with OPEXA. I don't want to say her name out loud because she'll start <laughs> talking to me. So you can ask her to play the Manufacturer's Network Podcast, and she will. Or you can go to the website, which is manufacturers-network.com. Excellent. And I have great guests. As a matter of fact, you're on the show. So you're in the lineup of fantastic guests. And what I look for in guests is are people who are doing something cool that can make a difference in manufacturing, whether it be with the culture, whether it be with the people, the processes, that's who I am looking to connect with as far as the podcast.
0: You know, the podcast is an interesting piece um, so for, I was on vacation last week to Tennessee, seven hour drive down, seven hours back. You know, I'm driving and I have my headphones and I'm listening to podcasts because I had uninterrupted time. Um, and you know, when you open your brain for a few minutes and you start listening to other people, you get to know them really fast. And I was mm-hmm. listening to a podcast with these two guys and within 20 minutes, I'm like, they're just like me. Like I totally relate. It so much led me to that. I was reaching out to them saying, I want to talk to you. How can I work with you? How can I learn? I was looking for a mastermind. What does it cost? I was proactively just because of the podcast. So I would say, listen to your podcast is a great way. You're driving around, you're, you're working out, whatever. How else can they get a hold of you? You have a website, phone number, email. What do you think?
1: Yeah, the website is is, uh, Lisa Ryan speaks.com. And I am also, uh, connect with me on LinkedIn. There's a lot of resources on my website as far as videos, but I am very active on LinkedIn as far as not only the podcast episodes, but I also put a lot of videos and articles and how-to and all kinds of things. So that is a a free resource. Just make sure that you put a personal note in there. Hey, heard you on this podcast. Yeah,
0: yeah. perfect Yeah. yeah i know we've connected and shared so lisa thank you again for coming on i think this is great resource great tips for people whether it's manufacturing great but i think the tips you shared are not just manufacturing they're about managing people working with people and i appreciate you coming on to share that
1: you're very welcome
0: all right we'll talk soon thanks lisa